Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently had the honor and privilege of speaking with Lori Marini. Lori is a certified pathologist assistant and has worked in pathology and oncology for over 20 years. She's also a certified Reiki practitioner, life and wellness coach, author, and speaker. Lori survived stage two breast cancer and provides motivational coaching with a specialty in empowering women during and after their healing journey. She's also the host of a podcast called Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors. I'm honored she's taking the time to share her journey with Get Up Nation and how she has transformed her adversity into a profound service for our suffering. Lori, welcome to Get Up Nation. The honor is all mine. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited you're here to start. Will you share where you currently live and work? Oh, my heart is in Nashville, but I currently live in Sarasota, Florida. You know what? We were in Nashville for a while. We got hit by the tornado. We lost our home. And, uh, you know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. So I turned to my boyfriend. I'm like, God has other plans. Maybe it's time for palm trees. So we, in early COVID time, we packed up all of our stuff found a little furnished apartment. So all of our stuff right now is in storage (laughs) and we're just trying to see if this is a fit. Right. But like the beach I know for me is soothing. It, you know, it is grounding. Mm. So I'm like, how can this be bad? So yeah, we've been here for a couple months. We spent the summer months in Vermont too, because we're from new England and we have a Frenchie who hates the heat. So it's kind of, you know, the best of both worlds here for us. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. And, whoa, man, the stress of, of moving is one of life's biggest challenges. And so certainly you're, you're deploying resilience as we speak, dealing with the loss of a home and, and then the, making this transition. I hope that you're finding peace in that storm. And I can't wait to hear more about your journey that has had a lot of storms in it. And, and yet here you are with an amazing spirit and so much to offer others. I want to bring up your website, lorimarini.com. There's a wealth of information there about your journey and the expertise you're sharing in service of others. There's a gratitude blog, your podcast, a vision board course, lots of great stuff for people to draw from there that we'll be talking about. And this is your today doing amazing work on behalf of others and thriving personally, but it hasn't always been this way. You've lived through significant challenges from divorce, loss of relationships, dead-end job, Mm -hmm. cancer diagnosis, but each time you've reinvented yourself in positive and resilient ways. I can't wait to delve into how you've done this throughout your life so that any listeners out there who are facing some of these significant challenges may know that they're not alone in their suffering and there's potential of great good actually coming out of those challenging times. Anything you want to say at the outset here before we start to get into your your journey? Oh, you know, when you put it all down like that, when you give it back to me as to what I've been through, I'm like, yikes, right? (laughs) But honestly, I wake up every day just grateful to be alive. 
right? I feel that life does not throw at you more than you could handle. Sometimes it feels like it's a lot, but that's when you you look for community. You look for people who are willing to support you when you can't support yourself. And I think if I've learned anything, it's that, right? Like that I'm not alone, that being vulnerable does, is not a weakness. Right. And that when you look for the helpers, you will find them. Ooh. Great points. Great points. And let's start a little by looking a little bit at your work as a certified pathologist assistant. You developed mm-hmm. a detailed understanding of various tumors in the human body and how these yeah. tumors affect people's health. Will you tell us what led you to get into this field? You know, I fell into it, to be honest with you. I was a pre-med major. I had graduated with a pre-med degree, but then I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? Am I really going to dedicate my life to this? Like, there has to be a different way. So I took a year off to kind of find myself to see what I wanted to do. And honestly, I'm awful at standardized tests. So like my MCAT didn't come back as good as I wanted it to. I was going to be limited with where I wanted to go. So I'm going to be real about it, right? But at the same time, like I I self-reflect and I'm like, what do I want to do? And I knew I wanted to be of service. And I just so happened to be working in one of those private labs. And I was grossing biopsies. They taught me how to process biopsies. And I don't know why I said it. And it's going to be, it's going to sound weird to people, but I was like, you know what? I was talking to a colleague and I was like, you know what? I'm tired of these biopsies because what happens is you literally work for hours at a time. I'm doing the same mundane work. And even though it's mundane work, it's going to impact somebody's life. Right. So you have that struggle of like, hey, I'm, I'm washing another car again. But at the same time, it's like, okay, or like you're inflating somebody's tire, but you know that if you don't do it right, you're really going to screw somebody's life up. So, you know, there's a balance that we took that to keep ourselves engaged in our work. And then at the same time, it was like, I was like, oh, like, I need something more. Like, I wish I had like, you know, a leg or something. Right. And it's a very weird statement. I know. But as I was saying this, my boss at the time came walking behind me and she's like, what did you say? Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, you know, like, you know, I thought I was going to get in trouble, honestly. And she's like, I got the best program for you. I have a master's program that they do forensics. They do, you know, autopsy, pathology research. And honestly, it's because of the, the generosity of this woman setting me up an interview with the guy who's in charge of the program that within a month I was in a program that has a wait list of two years and gets about at the time it was like 120 applicants and they only accepted eight people. So I find like it's divine intervention. And if I've learned anything, you know, to kind of go back to your question, if I've learned anything throughout my trials is that there's always somebody looking out. Right. And so I, you know, I went through the program. I ended up working in Boston and I just happened to find my way into just really amazing cutting edge facilities that taught me so much. So I'm very confident in my knowledge with pathology. Like I literally diagnosed myself with, Mm. I know I have a tumor when I got my own breast biopsies done, you know, like I I asked to look at them and I I knew based on what I was looking at, I'm like, okay, like we're going to go through this. And so I'm very, very blessed to have the knowledge. Mm. And at the same time for me throughout my journey, it's been a curse. You know, I'm the person that everybody comes to when they have a health issue and I talked them through it. But then when it came to me having to do that for myself, I wasn't able to filter 
as I would with everybody's personalities, right? Some people want to know the extreme and some people like don't want to know, just tell me that I'm fine. And I didn't have the option to do that for me because I was working with metastatic breast cancer patients. I saw them every day. Yeah. I saw the devastation it could cause. And so it was really difficult having the transition from being the expert yeah. in tumors to then being the patient. And I was like, yeah. uh-oh, we have a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine that. I, I, I was going to ask you about that. Of the, It's got to be helpful in some ways, but it's got to be even scarier in some ways. Yeah, it was helpful because I knew exactly what I wanted to do for my treatment. Right. Like I knew before I even had my biopsy results, I was telling my oncologist, my surgeon, I'm like, we're going in and we're doing a bilateral mastectomy because I always said to myself, if I was ever in this position, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Because if I tell anybody anything, like the one thing that I want your listeners to just remember Mm -hmm. with anything in life, you have one shot to do it right. And especially when it comes to illness. You know, once you start getting in there and you start manipulating the body, like other things come from that. So I've always told people, I'm like, don't go for the easy way out in life. Take the hard road, especially when it deals with cancer, like do what you have to do. And I promise you, you'll come out on the other side. And that's really where I stood for me. They were telling me I was being too aggressive. They were telling me that I was jumping the gun. And I was like, no, regardless of what the biopsy show, like this is what we're doing. And it just so happened that my biopsies came out that that was going to be, you know, what I needed to do. So I didn't need to fight too much about it afterwards. (laughs) And as far as, yeah, and as far as the curse part of it is that, like I said, I knew the road that I was about to go down. I knew that I could not be here today. I knew that it was going to be a hard road. I knew there was going to be a lot of a lot of things that I was going to have to handle that I didn't know if I was mentally prepared to do that. Yeah. And in other cancer survivors that I've talked to, they've mentioned that when the diagnosis happens, it's like, you know, they stop listening at that point. It's, you know, and it's helpful for them sometimes to have a loved one or a family member there to help process mm-hmm. it because once the diagnosis goes in the ear that, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's so overwhelming. And so I, I'm wondering from your perspective, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like you had the expertise to really, it maybe sped the acceptance process for you. Do you think so? Or or did it like to a certain degree, like with a certain trepidation of like, Oh my God, but so be it. Is that accurate or no? Or yeah, no, that's absolutely accurate. My struggle wasn't necessarily getting diagnosed, right? I was like, okay, let's handle it. Like Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. You know, I literally, I'm going to be honest. I cried once. I had a good, ugly cry once. Mm -hmm. And that was it. The rest of the time I was in the let's get this done mode. And I think that's why it's molded me into how I help my clients now is because I, what surprised me was the emotional part Mm. and it was the emotional part that showed up two years later, Uh, right? Like there's only so much stuffing down you could do. And, you know, uh, two years after being diagnosed is when I was really hit in the face with this is what you just went through, right? Because like when you're going through the motions of treatment, you just go from one appointment to another to another. It's kind of like you become a robot, right? Yeah. yeah. And then once everything is done, there's nobody there anymore telling you what to do. And there's really nobody there really helping you out unless you go and look for somebody. Right. And that's where I was like, 
wait, I had a social worker. I had a psychiatrist. I had all this stuff. And where do they go? Yeah. Where do they go? I'm on my own now. Right. And right. that's, that's when it all hit me. I see. And in other survivors that I've talked with, they've mentioned a similar thing of, okay, they've had the procedures, they've, they've had all this. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, bye. And you're, it's le- it's like disorienting. You've been through a street fight, a fight for your life. You're, you're yeah. sore. You have, you know, your body has been altered. You are dealing mm-hmm. with so much. And then, yeah, I could see. And then your so your body is, and your brain have protected you through that process. But then the psych- mm-hmm. psychological aspect is left there. That must, I can't even imagine, um, you know, the amount of, depression or disorder anxiety that's associated with those moments where you know your entire world has been changed completely and Mm -hmm. now here you are letting the dust settle yeah and what i find i hear a lot from you know people that i work with is why bother making plans like Mm. yeah i'm fine right now but Mm. it's most likely going to come back so why bother live like why bother living right and And it's like one of those things that we just talk it through. And I'm like, well, why not live? Like you're going to handle whatever comes your way, but you have right now and you have today. That's right. So, and that's what we work on. And that's like, I could see, you know, I see both sides of the coin, but I choose to see the positive side. Mm -hmm. I choose to be, you know, every morning I wake up and I'm like, I'm alive. Thank you. And I embrace the day. And, you know, going through something so traumatic, you have to find the good. You have right. to. Right. Right. In, in part of your coaching, how much is mindfulness involved in that? Is that, do you have a practice associated with that to, to remain in the present moment to, you know, all the anxieties of it's going to come back, it's going to come back, or mm-hmm. that was so traumatic. I don't want to go back to that past. It's, it's depressing. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, as part of your coaching a focus on the mindfulness based like stress reduction, things like that? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that even without a diagnosis, you know, people that haven't had any trauma, like that's something that's so important. Being grounded and having a clear thought process really supports you in having a really healthy life. So it is a huge part. I think that, you know, and I'm really straight with people. Like I had somebody yesterday having a severe anxiety attack by going to the dentist because they had such an awful time the time before. And I literally told her straight out, I'm like, the way that you're thinking and what you're doing right now is really not healthy. Like mm-hmm. you got to get it together. Yeah. So go, go, go put some music on, go mm-hmm. journal, do whatever it is you need to do. And I'm not this harsh. Right. But like, sure, it's, sure. <laughs> it's like in my head, I'm like, you're going to, you're going to cause yourself more suffering because you can't get it under control. Right. So and that's what community is about. And that's what we, we need to do is we need somebody to hit you on the back of the head and yeah. be like, cut it out. Yeah. Right. 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 And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see a child playing with glass. You say, don't play with glass. You, you know, if you see the child playing with matches, you take the matches out of their hand. You said, no, this is going to cause pain for you. And whether you can receive this message right now or not, I want to tell you something. This is not going to end well for you. It's un- not healthy. And you don't have to g- go through this suffering. 
And so it's like, life is short that we have, we only have this present moment. We're not guaranteed anything. So why would we allow our afternoon to be marred by an anxiety of something that may or may not happen? You know, catastrophizing is, is a, is a profound way that our mind tries to protect us after we've sustained trauma. And, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we often get that negative bias in our brain thinking to try to protect us, but it sure saps the awe and the amazement of the present moment of the breeze on our neck, or as we go for a walk, Mm -hmm. warmth of the sun the ability for us to actually communicate you say a word and i understand what you mean to say that we can be connected in in actual conversations whereas dementia patients are not even able to do that like all these things that get taken away or are challenged or paused in our life it just creates a wealth of focusing on opportunity right i mean when you're when you're backed up against the wall and you don't know if you're going to live another month you get a mindset, you get into a mindset that says, well, I'm going to live every moment that I got to its fullest and I'm never going to miss it. And I'm not going to waste it on, on, you know, destructive things. So it's, it's so, I mean, would you agree? And you hope that that's where you stand, yeah. right? Because yeah. there's, there's some people who are so defeated by it that they can't stand there. Yeah. Right. They, they, they think of, what's the point? Why bother? Why am I even going to do that? I only got a month, right? So that's what we work through. Like we do a lot of vision work. We do a lot of, you know, that's why I have an online virtual vision board, right? Like you have to identify something in life that's worth living for, right? right? So whether it's your dog or yourself or going to the beach every day, like it's kind of, you know, I was having this conversation yesterday that like, humans live in patterns and the only way that you can get yourself out of a negative thought pattern is to create another thought pattern. Right. 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 So it's like, it's like being, you know, a substance abuser. Most people turn to fitness because it's something else for them to focus on. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's easier said than than done, but it's, it's what really gets you through the hard times. Mm -hmm. It's like focus on, what's going to happen when you're done, like plan the vacation. Cause it's going to give you something to look forward to. Absolutely. Instead, I find that people don't do that. They get paralyzed and they just live in that fear yeah. and they don't realize the consequences, right? They are then moody. They are then argumentative. They are then, you know, having a hard time at work with their loved ones, with themselves, right? They've stopped exercising. They stopped doing all the things that we know support a healthy, positive lifestyle. Like you said earlier, live for now and don't think that tomorrow may not come. Yeah, I love it. And I actually had written down some of what you had written about this very topic right here. You've mentioned people can lose their sense of purpose in response to being diagnosed. It can create paralyzing fear. You help guide your clients mm-hmm. through that fear into their higher purpose on many levels. Will you share a little bit of what that that looks like, especially for, you know, we're thinking of that patient that you know, they haven't had an easy life and now they've been, mm-hmm. now this diagnosis comes along, they've, they've got trauma in their life and they're wondering, you know, is it worth living? Is it worth, is this just another bad thing that's happened in my life? Is it worth going on from here? How do you help somebody transition into a more healthy living? First and foremost, I, I hear it often mm-hmm. and there's a specific person that comes to mind and I've been alluding to it in this conversation, but it's like, Prior to their diagnosis, they were fun. They were free. They loved to do like to be out on the water. They have a boat. They have all these things that they wanted to do. And then bam, they get diagnosed with, you know, cancer. Mm -hmm. 
And they're going through treatments. They're waiting for their scan to happen in the next month. And they have had social workers, therapists, and they felt like they just weren't being heard. Not saying that social workers and therapists don't listen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, you need to find the person that works for you. Right. And if you, if you don't find that, then keep pushing forward, be your own advocate. So when she found me, she was at a point where, you know, we spent an hour and a half on the phone, her just sharing what she's been going through. And she felt like she was completely overwhelmed at work. There's no point in doing anything more. She has a horrible relationship with her husband and they're arguing all the time to the point that they may not make it. And then she's standing in the, you know, if my scan, you know, shows that I have metastatic disease, then what's the point in me trying to make any plans and showing, you know, my husband how to do X, Y, and Z with the boat. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those conversations that I totally got where she was. Mm-hmm. I, I understand her world, but then it's like, it all came down to control, mm-hmm. right? She felt like there was a complete loss of control in, in, in her life. And it's one of those things of, I had to show her and we had to have a conversation about, you still have control. Mm-hmm. Like you have control in the right now. You have control over, you know, how you're, coworkers are interacting with you and how much work they're doing or not doing, like that's Mm -hmm. still a thing. And like, you're getting so drained at work because of all the negativity surrounding work, Mm -hmm. because you feel a loss of control there. That if you get control over that, it'll just, you know, it's all connected. It'll, it'll trickle down into the rest of your life. And also like your loved ones, your loved ones argue with you because they love you. They want to see you succeed. And so don't think that they don't recognize that you're wallowing. Don't think that they recognize that you've given up. Right. Like they know it. They just don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't know what to say to you. Right? right. Right. And, and at the same time, they're stuck because they care so much that it's hard for them. Mm-hmm. And like people are going to end up doing stuff that they probably wouldn't even thought that they would do mm-hmm. because they don't know how to deal with what is happening. Yeah. Right. And and I know that sounds very vague, but, you know, you got to give yourself and people around you just some grace to be exactly where you are in that exact moment. And, you know, literally within I was so proud of her, but literally within one phone call, the next time I got on the phone with her, she had, you know, handled work because that like we leave the conversations with action plans And it's like, we talk about what's going to make you move forward in the plan. What's going to stop you from doing it. And she had literally handled work, told them, I'm not doing all of this anymore. You can't keep dumping work on me. She went and had an amazing weekend with her husband and she's starting her own podcast. Like she's living into her future. And it's, and I honestly think it's because like, she finally felt hurt. Right. You know, like, it's like, I didn't do it. She did all the work. I just sat there and listened for her greatness. Doesn't it speak to the sense of people? I don't meet a lot of people who have a really healthy sense of self-worth. Like we're told that that's, you know, rude or that it's not, it's that it's not okay Mm -hmm. for you to actually be kind to yourself and invest in your own health or to set a boundary somewhere Mm -hmm. with the people at work, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, is it, it, am I being a jerk because, you know, or or all the sexist stereotypes or insults that can be 
hurled at women who are assertive and, mm-hmm. and, and about healthy, oh, um, yeah. you know, their, their healthy choices, you know, so you creating that, that healthy boundary and saying, well, and actually defining it and giving yourself permission to say, well, you know what, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to yes. do something kind for myself. I am going to take the trip that I know we don't have, you know, necessarily all the money for right now, but there's something like that. And we're, I'm going to do something for me. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but isn't it, do you find that mm-hmm. it's like, you know, rare, rarely are we able to communicate and not even in a cancer environment, but in just normal discourse, are mm-hmm. we able to really have healthy senses of self and, and asserting ourselves in a healthy way and developing a sense or sharing with somebody else a sense of value? We're not very good at that, do you think? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I, I have to agree. And you know, I'm not a man, so I don't know, but as far, I can speak for the women, right? Yeah. I feel, especially for women, we have a really hard time, but you know, whether regardless of gender, if you're a helper, if you're somebody who loves to serve, there's always going to be somebody who recognizes that and that'll use it to their advantage. Mm. So boundaries are super important. Right. You know, it, it, it all, it's all connected as far as like honoring your parents right? Like honoring your spouse, honoring your children, or making sure you're there for your children, or even making sure you're feeding your dog. But at what point in time do you honor yourself? Like we never give each other, we never give ourselves the choice of honoring ourselves until, I honestly think it's until you go through something so traumatic that you don't care about what other people think. You don't care about how things have to look like everything doesn't need to be perfect in life. Like have it be okay that it's not perfect and just be kind. Like it's so important, but I needed to go through this journey myself to get myself to that spot. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in the middle of healing. I had just gotten out of surgery and I'm worrying about everybody else around me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and when I realized I was doing that, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Right, right, <laughs> what? Right. Like, they don't want that for me. Right, right. And if they realized that I was doing that, they'd tell me to cut it out. Yeah. So it, I literally had to, I remember I was doing like laundry or cooking or doing something I should not have been doing because my range of motion was mm. really, really limited. And I was hurting myself. Like I would be in pain because of it. Like I could still, I still get phantom pains about it, but like, and my loved one, unless they were recognizing what was happening, they didn't even know. So like, you have to speak up, you have to set your boundaries and it's okay. Nobody's going to hate you. And if they do hate you, then they're not the people for you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like let them go. Right. And, and that's just where I'm at. Like I, I kind of have lost my filter mm-hmm. for saying no, I'm not mean. I'm not a mean person, but like, I'm, I'm more. I'm even more like, hey, like with work and at work, at certain places in my life, I was really good about being like, no. But then when it comes to loved ones and emotions, like I feel I'm letting people down. And it's like, no, 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 I'm putting myself first. And you have to do that. It's like the airlines aren't wrong. You have to put your own oxygen mask on first before helping anybody else. That's right. Right? Yeah. It's that self-care that is so important. And that augments the relationships that you do have. And, yeah. you know, in, in ways, it helps your family members know how to help. It helps. Yes. You know, it, it, sometimes people get really helpful and you get the kind of opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, 
I appreciate that you're wanting to help, but you're really making it worse. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> but if I can articulate to you, this is what I'm going through and why mm-hmm. it would be really helpful if you did this and this, I, you know, and then we can increase communication, especially for, mm-hmm. for couples, you know, if they're, if they didn't communicate well before that, or if there was poor, you know, a sense of not very self value or, or, or things like that. And those things start to develop, then, you know, as, as we look at these challenges, we think of the positives that can come from it and, and whether whether that's, you know, and certainly that's for everybody to decide. I certainly don't want to short or the or disrespect anybody by saying, you know, that cancer creates, it's such a sacred thing. And I don't want to ever say that cancer is good or, or anything like that. But what I want to say is for the resilient people who are experiencing the pain of that, for them to find the good in that can be a very powerful alteration in their lifestyle it can deepen their their, their relationships or their or their relationship with themselves and it can lead to some really profound things like i like I, can would you tell me more about the vision boards and how that's helping people to have a rich and full life even in the face of cancer oh absolutely i would love to so and just to speak to the comment that you just made the one thing that was resonating for me is that like cancer affects everybody mm-hmm. And everybody has their different way of handling it. Mm-hmm. And unless you're the person that's going through it, yeah. people don't understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really clear as to what's happening or why you're, you know, why are you behaving in a certain way if you're being short or whatever, right? But just also recognize, so for the warriors out there, like people don't understand what you're going through. I don't understand what you're going through. I went through something similar, but it doesn't mean that I'm going through what you're going through. And then for the caregivers, the loved ones, right, you're going through it too. You may not be having to deal with the surgeries and the treatments and all of that, but they're affected too. And it's sometimes harder because they wish they could take it away. They wish they could be more helpful. They sometimes don't know what to say, right? Like think of all the times that somebody has said something really stupid, right? They didn't mean it to be insensitive. They just didn't know what to say. Just kind of like give everybody grace. Mm-hmm. Like just come from love. Nobody's yeah. trying to hurt you. Like just yeah. come from love. And if, if somebody's trying to hurt you, then beat them up. No, I don't mean it that way. <laughs> but like get rid of them, right? Like you, yeah, have, yeah. you don't yeah. have to always have the same people in your life just because they've been in your life. Exactly. Right? If it doesn't work for you anymore, it doesn't work for you anymore. And as far as like the vision board stuff works, I believe in manifesting. I believe in the law of attraction I believe in the universe will always give you what you need. Mm -hmm. So that's what a vision board is. It has you sit down, take the time, evaluate your life and think about like, what do I want? Mm -hmm. Like, even if if you're happy somewhere, where else do you want to go with this? What do you want to do? What do you want your career to look like in five years? What do you want your relationships to look like? Do you want a new home? Do you want to you know, spend more time on the water. Like, so what's really funny is that a vision board I created three years ago while I was going through my treatments is literally what my life is right now. So it's one of those things of you literally put it out there in the universe and the universe is going to give you what you want. And it may not look the way that you want it to, but it will definitely serve the need and, and fulfill on what you are desiring. So we go through, in the vision board, we go through the online course. We talk about every area of life. We talk about, you know, I, I, I hope I surprise people with some other areas, right, <laughs> that they may not have thought of. But we go through and we, we uh, just have you sit down and think about it. 
And what I love about it is that online, you don't need to cut the little papers out. You don't need to do that. You could literally find a picture and just copy and paste it. And then you could keep changing it and you could keep adding it. Like I have a rolling vision board on my Pinterest, Mm -hmm. right? I have one at home. We have multiple vision boards in our home, but I also created one on Pinterest because it's like, I see things that I want to manifest that in my life, you know, along that thought process, you know, I had worked in the hospital for 20 years. And when I found myself in the situation that I was in, I was working with metastatic breast cancer patients. I'm trying to heal myself. I had a really rough time. Mm. Like I was crying in the elevator. And it was one of those things that I'm like, if this is the energy that I'm living in right now, I'm never going to heal. So I left the position that I absolutely adored and I created something new. So I ended up stepping over into a biotech company and being like their national trainer for clinical trials. And then, you know, because of what I had gone through and how overwhelmed I was, even though I knew where the bathroom was, where I needed to park, where my doctor's office was, where's the cafeteria, where can I get a cup of coffee? And I was still like completely overwhelmed by it. I knew I had to make a difference. And that's how I got in into coaching. So life, wellness, cancer coaching. I also do like motivational speaking. I think people need to hear like, it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to go through something like that and be down, right? Like it's okay to like have emotions around it, but the goal is not to stay there very long. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel a vision board does. It literally allows you to dream. And then if you truly believe, if you believe that there is a a greater force out there that's going to give you what you need at the time that you need it. And then when it shows up, you are like, wait a second, is that coincidence or did I just create that? And then over time, when you keep having it happen over and over and over again, you realize how powerful you are and how powerful your thoughts are. That's right. That's right. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that is a beautiful thing. And that, with the challenges and the messages that we tell each other, especially about self-value and our value, mm-hmm. like that's the scary thing is that we are that powerful. And that yeah. to get to the point where you're comfortable with that reality to say, you know what, I'm creating a lot of what I'm experiencing with how I think and, and what, mm-hmm. I, what actions I take and what could I do with the time that I do have and what could we create? It's, and yeah. then certain like synchronicities happen and you're just like, you have to stand in the possibility that you can have it all. Whatever you want, you could have. You just have to be open to it. You know, like, it, and like I said, it may not look the way that you want it to look, but it's going to be pretty close. Yeah. 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 That is excellent. All right. So anything else you'd like to share with Get Up Nation? As you know, we're a global network of resilient people who are committed to creating legacies of positive and profound impact like what you do every day. And so I just, you know, if there's somebody out there struggling, if they're dealing with the fear of it's going to come back or Mm -hmm. just found a lung or, you know, sitting in that doctor's office right now trying to keep their mind off of everything by listening to this or or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. what, what messages do you have? This is my wheelhouse, so I apologize ahead of time because I'm going to have, I I just love it. First and foremost, you know, I read this somewhere where health is a, health is a state of the body, but wellness is a state of being. Mm -hmm. And how that translates for me is, is your behavior, how you're being in alignment with how you want your health and wellness to look. Are you taking the steps? Are you doing the things that you know you need to do? 
but for some reason aren't making them a priority, not making self-care a priority. So that's like exercise, mindfulness, gratitude, journaling, right? Like creating a vision board. Like, are you doing the work to get the results that you want for yourself? And then the other one, you know, use pain to propel yourself forward. Pain is terrible and we don't want anybody to ever experience it. Like I, if I never heard, you know, I wish nobody got cancer, but you know what, if, if you're in that position, it makes you a different person. It makes you stronger. It like you've gone through cancer. You have faced your mortality. You have seen it. And there is the blinders are off. There is a loss of innocence that happens, but you know what? Use it. Use that pain, use those emotions, use, use everything that you're feeling and experiencing and use it to propel yourself forward into greatness. Like you are not done with your life. There's more for you to do. And that's where we have this warrior versus survivor mindset. Like I have this distinction where as a survivor, you are at the effects of what's happening in your life. You're going through the motions. You are just letting the wind shift you from left to right, right? You are at the, you're at the effect of it. You are not in the driver's seat and why we call ourselves warriors. Why we have conversation with courageous cancer warriors is, you know what life has given you this battle and you're going to show up with all the armor and all the tools and the weapons by educating yourself, by empowering yourself by giving support, getting a community around you that supports you by setting yourself up to win. And everybody's version is different, but like then you are no longer at the effect of it. You'll handle whatever comes your way and you will do so powerfully and you will, you know, we all are going to have regrets about X, Y, or Z. But if you're coming from a place where you are, you're the person that's in control for lack of a better word, right? Because what are we really in control of? But um, if you feel that you are the person in the driver's seat, then you're not going to have as many regrets. And, and that's just such a powerful thing. Like you can reinvent yourself. If you don't like your doctors, if you don't like your friends, if you don't like your family, find other friends, yes. right? Sometimes family isn't blood. Like your doctors, there's tons of doctors, like move on, make it work for you. And, you know, it's just like, just be courageous in life, live courageously, go and take that first step to what it is to get yourself to where you want to go. If that means like beating cancer, then take that first step and do what you have to do. And don't take no for an answer. If people are like, no, we don't do that. Like I went to the doctors a couple of weeks ago and I was like, Hey, I want my circulating tumor cells. Like I want imaging. I want all this stuff. And she told me, no, it's not standard of care. I'm like, I am asking for it. So, okay, if you won't do it, but I will pay out of pocket and I will find somebody else to do it for me. So if it's important to you, don't be stopped. And, you know, and just know that you will get through it. Whatever, whatever's thrown your way, you will find a way and you will lean on people. You will dig so deep within your soul and if you keep it positive, and if you keep it like, I'm going to get through this, you will find the strength to keep moving forward. And like that, that's kind of like, that's it in a nutshell. Like, it, it, you know, what moves me and what gets me up every day, like, that's it.
I'm so glad we had this station I here. As we talked about before, you know, as I always end the show with six questions, help my listeners yeah. understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Oh, we'll thank do you. these six quick questions today. Okay. All I'm right. ready. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you thankful for today? Oh, you know, having this conversation just made me realize how much I have gone through, yeah. right? And how much I have persevered. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful for myself in being strong, but I'm thankful for my community and I'm thank you for my, I'm so thankful for my tribe. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the people who went out of their way to make sure that I was good when they didn't need to. And I had people contributing to me that I was like, really? Like people are generous. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my community. Mm-hmm. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? Oh, I'm thankful for being alive. I'm thankful for being alive and I'm thankful for living while I'm alive. You know, we're never going to have this day, this moment, the second ever again. So even if you have to take your life one second at a time, then make that second count for you. How do you fuel the fire within you? Oh, oof. you know i i am so moved by other people's greatness i am so moved when i see other people succeed Mm. i am so moved by seeing people's kindness right and so i i look for the helpers i look for the ones who are creating change and and want to do to do right by others You know, it's really easy to be closed off and to be mean and to not want to be a support, you know, but I feel that by being that way, you're just, you're the one missing out. The other people aren't missing out on you. You're missing out on other people. And so to keep an open heart is truly important. And that keeps me going. Like, I know that I will get 10 times more from working with somebody than what they're going to get from me. What is one thing adversity taught you to value? Oh, well, this is a good question. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to not know all the answers. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to have feelings and emotions. Like I've always had to be the, str- the strong one. And so I just kind of let that go. It's like, this is me now. Like, it's okay to, to peel some of the layers and expose yourself. What are you doing today? You may have never thought you could. Oh my goodness. You know, going through what I went through, like I literally, I have moved four times since my diagnosis. And it's just like trying to find the place where you belong. So I never thought that I would be, you know, having this conversation living in paradise. That's first and foremost. And I never would have thought that I would be the voice for people. I never thought that I would be able to have an experience like I've experienced and have it resonate with people. Like I'm still surprised by it. I still have, and it's terrible, right? Because I talk about mindset, but I sometimes still have a mindset of like, well, what do I have to share that will help people? And, you know, it's a work in progress, but I think through like having people on my podcasts and having, you know, I have a book coming out. So like, I have a lot of things that are 
showing me, the universe is showing me like, hey, your message needs to be heard. So keep moving forward. And that is probably what surprises me the most. What will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? I have big goals for me. And I don't know if that's the question. What I really want to do is, you know, I joke around about it all the time that I'm going to be the next Rachel Hollis. And it's not for me, right? Like that's a goal that I have. And I just misspoke, right? Because it's not really for me. What it is, is to have a larger stage to be able to tell people like, you're okay. You're going to get through it. Like we're all in it together. And so like, that's what I'm creating for myself because it's not about me. It's about them. When that happens, I'm going to call you back and I'm going to be like, I did it. Right. Like I, I'm going to be the first one, like so surprised by it, but you know what? I'm just going to keep pushing toward making it happen. So that's kind of like my surprise for tomorrow, but it may happen. You know, the universe might give it to me a couple of years from now. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great. It's going to be awesome seeing it unfold. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work? So I have an email. Well, I have a website that you mentioned, lauriemarini.com. And on there is my email, is my phone number, my social media handles. There's my courses. Everything's just available there. I would love to hear from people. I actually want you to call me. I want to get related to you. You know, even if it's like use the number and leave me a voice message, I want to hear from people. So yeah, like I'm just, I, I'm just so humbled and honored to be able to just share a little part of my heart with you today. Thank you. Well, it's my honor to have you here and to hear what you have to say. You are a powerhouse. You are on fire. <laughs> Do it. Bring your fire to this world. Make it better. It needs Thank to be you. better. So, um, yeah, like I said, come back anytime. Let me know when the book comes out. Whatever I can do to help, let me know. All right? Thank you so much. I, I just really appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody check out the, in the show notes, all of her social handles and links will be down there. You got to check out what she's doing. Like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do. Get on board with what she's doing because she's doing amazing work as you can. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. As are you, as are you. Thank you. 